Thank you for joining us and welcome to another edition of Answers Network. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza. For those of you that have been listening, sending in questions and comments, thank you so much. And please continue to help spread the word that every Monday from 11 a.m. to noon Pacific time, this show will bring on special guests that can inspire, educate, and in some cases entertain while bringing answers and options to making our lives happier, healthier, and more successful. Now, if you can't listen live, don't worry. All of our shows, including the one that we're going to be doing today, can all be found at answers.network. And what I'd really appreciate is if you could all do me a huge favor, forward one of our shows to your social media group and to someone you know who can benefit from a particular subject. This is one powerful way that we can make a positive influence in the world together. And I tell you, just going based on the statistics alone in regards to uh, relationships, unfortunately, this is, one, this is one of the shows that I think everybody knows somebody that could benefit from it. Now, our question today is, and it came in from one of our listeners, after 15 years of marriage and two children in middle school, how do I get my husband to pay attention to me? Well, the short answer is also the title of our guest's new book. It starts with you. And I love that part about it. Now, the, the subcategory is the secret to a passionate marriage and a peaceful home. Now, after struggling in his own marriage, despite feeling like he was doing everything right by following the mainstream advice, our guest, Chris Parsons, discovered a secret hiding in plain sight that allowed him to totally transform his marriage. He later started coaching married individuals whose spouse had, quote, checked out and wasn't interested in working on things. Now, through that process, he discovered that just advice only worked for a little while. And what people needed was radical belief shifting new perspectives to be able to create joy, harmony and passion in their marriage. Now, Chris has been married to his wife, Carrie, since 2010. And they have four children that they're homeschooling together. Stay with us as we learn how Chris did it and how you can too. Chris, welcome to Answers Network. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it, it, it's my pleasure. Um, and um, I, th I think the best place to start is share with us, you know, where you found yourself and the state of your marriage when you realized you had to do something different. Yeah, um, I found myself in the cheapest hotel that I could get uh, because my wife told me that things were toxic and she couldn't be with me anymore. And um, I was I was distraught, angry, shocked, um, and heartbroken, really. Mm -hmm. um, well, what did you do? In other words, I... I... You know, and, and in going through the book, you tried everything and you tried a lot of things of what mainstream media wants us to do. At what point did you go, this just isn't working. I need to try something else. It was it was that point because I really thought that I was a great husband and um, I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to do. And so when that happened and she kicked me out, I realized everything I thought I knew 
about how to be a good husband and how to create a happy, healthy marriage had to be wrong. You know, doesn't matter what studies it had, doesn't matter, you know, how many uh, books I had read that told me what to do. The evidence was showing me, my marriage was showing me that what I thought made me a good husband was wrong. Well, uh, take us through some of the things that didn't work and then tell us how it started to shift. The biggest thing that doesn't work, it didn't work in my marriage, it's never worked in any marriage that I've ever seen, is blame. And that's what most people are doing. They're playing the blame game. And that's what most people go to marriage counseling for, because marriage counselors just extend the blame game by choosing sides and saying one of you is wrong and one of you is right. And one of you is the good person. One of you is the bad person. And in every case that I've seen coaching people, blame is always a two-way street. Mm -hmm. There's never been a case where one person is totally at fault. Now, that doesn't mean that one person isn't doing something wrong, but blame gets you nowhere. Pointing the finger, you know, if you point the finger at the economy, you point the finger at the president, you point the finger, point the finger at your spouse, and you're not working to make things better when you're pointing the finger. And it doesn't work when you're pointing the finger at yourself either. You know, that was a big thing for me was I had a low sense of self-worth. Uh, from self-loathing and uh, guilt and shame of beating myself up. And I had to, I had to, to just choose to walk away from that. You know, one of the thoughts, and, and I, this sounds like what you're talking about, and, and I went through a divorce, as many people have. And one of the best things when I went to counseling was as I kept talking about everything that I thought was wrong, um, the answer that came back was, she's not here. I can't help her. I can't change her. I mm-hmm. can only change how you look at things. Was Is that a lot of what you're talking about, is you had to look at yourself and the way that you looked at things? Yeah, I had to look in the mirror. Uh, and it's, it's the one place a lot of times we don't want to look. Um, yeah. But... Nothing in my life has ever gotten better until I accepted responsibility to create the change that I wanted to see. And you cannot control your spouse. You cannot force them to change, but you can positively influence them to change. But that comes from changing yourself in order to change them. Well, let's, let's kind of go back to maybe where, where we get the ideals that we get. Uh, and I know you talk about it in the book, and I thought it was a great point, is is that I think that when we're very young, we start looking at the fairy tale. We start, you know, the, you know, I have still have some of my favorite love songs, you know, and and I hear them and I I still have a reaction. So let's talk you in, in your book, you talk about the reality of marriage versus the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Share what you mean by that. Well, it's kind of, you know, the the Disney fairy tale is uh, that the, there's the wedding and then that's the end of the story. Uh, and in the real world, that's just the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. And real life is complicated. It's hard. And there's challenges and there's difficult seasons. You know, there's having a baby is a, a difficult season. 
uh, losing a job, losing a parent, you know, all these things that affect us. And when we're sharing our life and doing life together with someone, um, it affects them and, and it affects our marriage. You know, you, you just mentioned losing a job and I'm going to go to it. There's a question that came in. And again, I thank those that take the time to send in questions ahead of time. Oftentimes, those are people who they receive our press release that goes out, but they work in the middle of the day. So they send in some questions ahead of time. We have one on the concept of losing the job. But one of the things that when I saw that question, I did a little research this morning and I've always thought back when I was a, a psych student, I thought that the, uh, the number one reason was infidelity as far as the number one reason why. And it turns out that it was losing a job. <laughs> um, well, money, money in general. So there's yeah. uh, moving, losing a job, anything that, that substantially impacts uh, finances um, yep. has a huge impact on marriage. Yeah. Let me, let me go to that question while we're on that subject. This one reads, um, I lost my job during COVID and my wife left me taking our four-year-old son um, and moved in with her parents who live over two hours away. I have a new job now and she seems reluctant to move back in with me. Her latest excuse is that our son has made friends at the preschool he's at. I feel like I'm the only one trying. Her father tells me to keep trying, that she'll come around. What do you suggest I do? And this is from Marcus in Houston, Texas. So the first thing is that if what you're doing isn't working, do something different. You know, that was, uh, I think, really going back to the ideals that we have about marriage, I think the one of the biggest problems is we have these ideas of what we're supposed to do that we're more committed to than we are what the evidence is showing us. And um, so the evidence is showing him that what he's trying to do isn't working. You know, speculating, obviously, but typically what I see in a situation like that is his wife doesn't believe that the change is real, that -hmm. it was only a surface level change and that uh, that's not enough, you know, for for her to want to come back to him. She doesn't want to come back to the marriage that they had. This is something that I work with clients on is you can't settle for the marriage that you had when your spouse wants a divorce, they don't want to work on things. You have to show them that you are committed to something better, something that would make them happy because trying to get them to commit to what they had means trying to get them to commit to their own unhappiness. I, I, first of all, I, I think you're right on target. And when I first read the question, a couple of things popped into my head. One was, I don't think losing the job was the only problem. Right. And, um, and then, and again, and like you said, is that just saying, come back, everything will be okay. And like you said, we don't know all the other details in there, but I love the fact that just kind of getting to the point of whatever it was that you had, if it was great, maybe losing the job wouldn't have been the thing that pushed it over the edge. Definitely. Yeah. So for those people that are out there, they're still together. Um, 
but they feel like something's changed. Uh, something just doesn't seem right. Maybe the communication isn't what it used to be. Um, what do you believe are some of the biggest warning signs that the marriage is in trouble? Disconnection is a, a huge one. So, you know, if your spouse is not wanting to spend time with you, not asking you about your day, not putting effort into uh, paying attention to you and the marriage, then they're disconnected. Um, and so, you know, you have to look at your own situation. Sometimes that's an obvious temporary thing. My spouse's, you know, mom just died. Okay, they're um, going to be distant. You know, you have to have some grace and compassion sure. for that. Um, but, you know, for most people, this is something that is has they've they've seen it build up for years and years and it's it's not just a, a short season um there's uh you know i think unfortunately you do have to read between the lines because like you said communication is such an issue for so many couples um and uh you know some other warning signs um i believe uh, people you know some people don't like hearing this but i believe affairs, including emotional affairs, um, are a warning sign. I believe that they're a symptom of a deeper problem and that sure. doesn't make them okay. I'm not saying that to shift blame, uh, but, but they are a symptom that things are not okay in your marriage. So um, when, as you, when you describe that as a symptom, then the, the, the first thought that comes to mind is, is that, uh, you're not seeing it as a, um, something that's insurmountable. So talk a little bit about how somebody overcomes that. Yeah. So I, I believe in non-judgment. I don't judge my clients' lives. I don't judge uh, their decisions and I do help them establish their own healthy boundaries, but mm -hmm. I don't determine what those boundaries should be for them. Um, and, you know, for most people an affair crosses a boundary. However, when you recognize the role that you played in that and how, you know, okay, I drove them to that by not paying attention to them, not prioritizing them for years and years, and they told me they were unhappy and I just ignored it and didn't think it was that big of a deal, then you start to understand, okay, because I can't remember where I heard this, but there was a, a quote that said, forgiveness is understanding. And you forgive your spouse when you understand them and why they do the things that they do. And likewise, they forgive you when they understand you and why you've done the things that you've done. And so um, that's really a choice. You know, you have to make that personal decision, whether that's something you are interested in moving past or not. For me personally, um, you know, I think it a lot of it has to do with the the context of, of how it happened, why it happened. Uh, and that's, that's what I find with most of my clients. Um, they're not okay with it, but you know, when they understand, they see a bigger picture, they understand how they played into it. They choose to work on themselves and how they're showing up to fix the underlying problem and then establish the boundary that this is not acceptable going forward. I love the fact that what you're what I'm getting from this is, is that you're talking about personal responsibility, yes. that whatever it is that has occurred, first of all, look inward and see what your uh, what your level of responsibility is. You know, if if there are things that, you know, if you have ignored this person, uh, 
you know, for a huge amount of time, you have to look inside and say, did you contribute to this? Um, you, know, it, you, know, you know, was there communication about it? Was there warning signs that they were, you know, look, we need to talk about this and then they don't. So, yeah, I, I love the fact that you know, you're really speaking about the power of personal responsibility. Yeah. Now, um, you talk in the book about some key secrets uh, that this holds. Uh, tell us a little bit more about some of those things, because in the book, I get the feeling that that was part of your success is realizing some of these key secrets. Yeah, the the biggest thing is what I call sincerity, which is acting how you feel and expressing your feelings to your spouse. And I talk to people every day. They say, I'm completely shocked. My spouse wants a divorce. I don't understand where this came from. And um, and that that happens when you're not openly talking about your feelings. And so when you take personal responsibility, you take responsibility for your hurts. So I take responsibility for my hurts. If my feelings are hurt about something, then I do something about it. Um, mm-hmm. And and the the biggest thing is just telling my wife why I'm hurt it's really important that I do this and that everybody does this in a way that is without judgment or putting responsibility or blame on my wife or on your spouse. And so I acknowledge my feelings without making her feel attacked. Because Mm -hmm. if you try to say how you feel by, by blaming them, they're going to feel attacked. They'll get defensive. It'll lead to a big argument that goes nowhere. You know, and and I'm um, I'm a generation or two earlier than you. How much of this do you see with some of your clients uh, that it's kind of the way in which they were raised? And and I look at things from the standpoint of I come from a generation where the men were told your number one job is provide. Mm-hmm. It didn't say your number one job is to communicate. Your number one job is to um, is to ask questions and see what's bothering her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that as long as you are doing job number one, you're a good provider, you're doing your job. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know that that's changed, um, but what have you seen in that area? And what have you dealt with with some of your clients on how to get them past that? Yeah, my oldest client was 78, I think. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've, I've dealt with all different age ranges. And when I think about that, whether that's a generational thing, it is, it is getting worse, in my opinion. Um, oh, wow. you know, and one reason why is, is cell phones and, you know, computers and everything constantly distracting us and taking our attention away from our marriage and our spouse. Um, but you know, when I think about my grandpa and and the marriage he had to my grandma, uh, he wasn't exactly a great communicator, but he was never hiding how he felt. You always knew exactly how he felt about something. And if he wasn't happy, you knew it. And I think that we've, as a society, we've made this shift where we think, no, a good person would act loving, even though they feel hurt. No, a good person would you know, do X, Y, Z and ignore how they feel. And all that does is 
number one, it, it breaks sincerity on your part. So now you're not being sincere. So your spouse isn't going to be sincere. Number two, it just leads to compounding hurts because everything just gets brushed under the rug, moved past and never resolved. Now let's talk about the, the era of computers, phones, um, and again, and, and as an investigator, I see a lot of differences in the way in which people, uh, when we're hired to find things, um, how do you see this as having affected, um, and, you know, I guess we'll call it the, the um, what's the, the one, um, I, I don't know, um, Tinder. Yeah. Okay. You know, so the, 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 we have this Tinder uh, society now to where um, if something isn't quite right, you just swipe, mm-hmm. you just swipe. And, yeah. and I feel like going back a generation or two, uh, you were more uh, interested in uh, working on things or you're more interested in a face-to-face type of thing. You know, it's, you know, I feel that we've gotten to a point now to where the relationship is, it's easy to dispose of. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see that as having changed? And what are some people, if they feel like they're stuck in something like that, how can they get out of it? Um, yeah, I agree. I think society um, has changed to make relationships more disposable, uh, less depth, emotional depth mm-hmm. and bonding. Um, and really, it's about the escape and the dopamine that we get from uh, you know, these devices and everything. Uh, and, and instead of using them to benefit our lives by watching programs like this, um, you know, we're, we're watching funny cat videos or whatever. Um, and so, uh, you know, to me, the biggest thing is that it steals our attention. And attention is the most valuable thing that we have. If you have a business, it needs attention. If you have a marriage, it needs attention. And when you are busy, on your phone or on your computer all the time, and you're not giving attention to the things that really matter to you, then they're going to suffer. And if your spouse is the one doing that, uh, then you have to be able to communicate how that makes you feel in a way that gets them to care about it, not just pretend to be okay. Right. Which takes us back to what you brought up as, as issue number one, don't blame. So what I hear you saying is don't go, okay, your being on that phone is the problem. It's, right. What you're saying is, I have a problem. I'm having some uncomfortable feelings about that. And so you're exactly. making it on you. Right. And then also just looking at yourself to say, am I worthy of their attention? You know, if you're just watching Netflix, then why should they prioritize you? You know, if you're in a terrible mood and all you do is complain and you're miserable to be around, why should they want to spend time with you? And so personal responsibility goes goes the full way. I love the fact that you brought that up. And it actually reminds me of, a, of a, something that I went through. Um, when you say, are you worthy? Um, after my divorce, I was talking with a gentleman that I, that I knew through a, um, you know, it's a Christian men's group. And he started to become somewhat of a mentor. And he talked to me about what he did when he went through his divorce. And he talked about how he found the right one. 
and he made a list and he shared his list with me. He said, you need to know what it is that you're looking for and you need to know what it is that you aren't looking for. And he read this incredibly detailed list, made a copy of it, gave it to me, and I read it. His was, I don't know, like two pages. And so I went through and I wrote one and I took five important categories and I wrote one and I looked at it and I thought about it. And then I wrote another one. And that one I wrote was, what are the things that I need to be to be worthy of the person that I have just written out? Mm-hmm. And so when you just brought that up, it reminded me of it. And I think that's so important when somebody is doing something else and you go, I don't understand why golf is more important than me, you know? And it's like, well, (laughs) let's look inward first. So anyway, I love that you brought that up. And I, I actually, I used the word worthy. I actually prefer to use the word deserving because I believe that we are all inherently worthy of love but what we deserve is based on how we show up and and when you're not showing up as somebody that is very deserving of love you're not going to get very much all right well um so for everybody out there we're going to take a break but i want you to stay with us so again we're talking about uh, chris's new book it starts with you the secret to a passionate marriage and a peaceful home and when we come back Uh, I'm going to ask Chris a little bit about some of the problems with mainstream marriage advice. So stay with us. You're watching or listening to Answers Network. Founded over 30 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, West Shield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, West Shield Adolescent Services and West Shield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 1-800-899-8585, or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you. And we're back. Our guest is Chris Parsons, and we're talking about his book, It Starts With You, The Secret to a Passionate Marriage and a Peaceful Home. So, uh, Chris, when we went to break, um, I know you talk a little bit about the, some of the advice that you got uh, in regards to mainstream advice. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the advice that's, that was out there that, that didn't serve you until you started looking inward. Um, real quick, Alan, I did update the title of the book from oh. It Starts With You. Um, so wait, wait. that was the original title, It Starts With You. I didn't like that for two reasons. Number one, there was another book that had that same title. And number two, you couldn't tell it was about marriage. Uh, So actually, I've republished the book under the title, The Happy Healthy Marriage Reset, Using Sincerity to Erase Relationship Baggage and Restore the Love. 
All right. <laughs> so sorry um, about that. We, didn't, we should have gotten that ironed out before the interview. That was uh, my mistake. But um, well, yeah. it, it, it might have been on on my on my end as well. So um, I apologize for that. But um, while we're talking about that and so that we can get people thinking along those lines um, and actually I, yeah, I must have gotten some information on it because it even says here's the new website. Uh, so again, the new website is happy, healthy marriage reset.com. So, um, so for anybody out there, that's also the title of the book, but if you want to go to the website and get more information, Obviously, you can go do that as well. For those of you that are driving, don't try to write that down. I'll make sure that we have all of the accurate information uh, on the uh, answers.network website. So thank you for that. Um, yes. So let's let's talk about, you know, some of the some of the issues. And and again, yep. we're not we're not throwing all of mainstream under the bus, but. I think that we, you know, many people have learned that there's certain things that don't work for them. Yeah. And what would you tell somebody that's, that's been searching and they're going through some of these things? Um, you know, I, I don't think that there's there, the advice is bad per se. The problem is all the things that it ignores. Um, and so, you know, for example, the five love languages are great. It's wonderful. But the problem is it becomes a to-do list and you think, well, I checked off my box, right? Mm -hmm. I, your love language is this and I did that. So now you have to check my box and it keeps you in a place of blame where, mm -hmm. you know, you could argue, oh, I'm taking responsibility by meeting their need. But um, it's, it's, it turns marriage into a transaction mm -hmm. and there's no love in transactions. And so, and, and maybe to, uh, as you're saying that, the thought that came through my mind, we go back to the key being communication. Um, a book like that could certainly be a nice tool to communicate, but not a, maybe a tool to try to fix a problem. That sound about right? Um, you know, I don't want to talk bad about the book. Uh, no, 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 not that. I'm just saying like that. Yeah. Just what I'm saying is, is that, you know, if... Uh, and, and maybe this is just me thinking it, but you know, that I think that there are books out there that are a good tool, but maybe not necessarily geared towards um, fixing a problem as much as just a way to communicate. If it gets you talking about things, uh, gets you talking about and using that one in particular, yeah. somebody's like, Oh, I didn't, didn't realize that you were um, uh, that you were words of, of affirmation. I didn't realize that. So maybe somebody thinks, you know, maybe I need to focus a little more on words of affirmation. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, communication tool, it makes sense, but not necessarily yeah, I, I think, it, it's uh, going to yeah. fix anything. Yeah, it's, it's helpful. Um, yeah. But again, the, the problem is the way that people approach it and what they think it's for. And, you know, communicating your needs is rarely very effective. Um, just telling your spouse what you need, uh, you know, I need words of affirmation, whatever, um, usually is not near as helpful as you think that it would be. Okay. Well, you bring up a great point then, then what does a person do if they, if they're not getting their needs met? Express how you feel 
right? Mm -hmm. So say, instead of, I need you to do this, because when you, when you tell some, your spouse what you want them to do or what you need them to do, then uh, they're going to feel controlled. And most people, generally speaking, don't respond well to that. They rebel against feeling controlled. And so um, just expressing, hey, I'm feeling like I'm not important to you because you don't give me words of affirmation and giving your spouse an opportunity to make you happy. And when you frame it in the right way to get them to care instead of to give them something to do or to uh, you know, make them feel attacked, the vast majority of the time they care, they want to make you happy. But the uh -huh. way that most people are approaching it, um, it's, it's just building resentment because the... Um, what happens is, okay, I tell my wife, you know, I need this. And then she does it. And I'm not happy because I'm like, you just did it because I told you I wanted you to do it. Right. And, uh, you know, and that goes both ways. That's not just me. Um, and because what we actually want is our spouse's desire. And the way that we create that desire in them is by expressing our feelings rather than telling them what we want them to do. Okay. Um, so kind of giving a bit of an example then would be instead of saying, you know, I need you to do this, that during the time in which that does happen, praising them for how much you appreciate that it's being done. When yes. So uh, a simple example, instead yeah. of do the dishes, um, I love coming home to a clean kitchen. Right. So you're saying an outcome that you want, that you appreciate, and then you have to you have to act like you actually appreciate it. Right. Because if you come home and the kitchen's been cleaned and you're like, OK, whatever, uh, then they're not going to be very inclined to keep doing that. All right. Or you're, yeah, you're not showing appreciation. Right. Got but it. if you say, I love coming home to a clean kitchen, you're not putting an obligation on them. You're not telling them what to do. You're, you're not making them feel controlled. You're giving them an opportunity to make you happy. Yes. Um, okay. We've got a, a concept. Yeah, no, I love it. We, we've got a couple more questions that have come in. I want to make sure and get these in before we, you know, while we have time. Um, we mentioned earlier about cheating. Cheating was one of the subjects. We have a, a question that has come in on that. And this one says, cheating is a huge issue for me. And unfortunately, the reason I left my husband, finding out was quite the revelation, especially the fact that the last woman he was involved with actually believed he was single. I need to move on. And I feel I deserve better. But he is stalling the divorce and begging that I not go through with the divorce. How does one even go about trying to save a marriage with a person like this? And this is Melissa in Arizona. Yeah, I think you really have to look at the circumstances of what led to the cheating and decide if it's something that you're willing to work on or not. And if it's something that he's willing to change, right? Uh, if, if he's got a sex addiction, if he's got, um, you know, uh, some kind of, you know, he's, he's not processing his feelings or he's filled with pride and ego. 
you know, there's a reason for why he's doing what he's doing, most likely. The, the majority of the time, uh, cheaters actually want monogamy. They want to be in a committed relationship, but there's something going on that's causing them to look outside their marriage. Sometimes, you know, people just don't really want a, a monogamous relationship with one person. Um, and so I'm guessing because he's begging you to not get divorced that uh, he wants monogamy. And so really it's a question of you establishing a boundary of saying what kind of, you know, try to figure out what is going on with him and then that he needs to get help for that for you to consider it. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of thinking along the same lines as you was saying, well, you know, if he's begging, I'm guessing that part of that is, is that this will never happen again. But at the same yeah, but, time, yeah. uh, you know, not knowing, you know, was this, was this the first time? Was this the 15th time, you know, and, you know, right. and so on. There's so much more that, that can be going on, but um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. You know, communicate, and, communicate and communicate. And the, the promise that it won't happen again does not mean very much. Um, and that's that's probably what she's struggling with. He probably has promised that. Um, but that that promise means very little because he also promised never to do it. And he broke that promise. And so that's why it really goes back to understanding why he did what he did, because just promising to change is not enough. You have to deal with what is the underlying issue? Is it low self-worth? Is it, you know, that's, he's seeking validation from other women, you know, that, that's the issue that has to be addressed for you to believe that he can actually keep that promise. Now, when, uh, before we came on the air, I mentioned uh, about a term that uh, most everybody has heard at some point in time, and that's the term, happy wife, happy life. Uh, when I brought it up, you had an interesting twist on it. Share your thoughts on that. Uh, I was a big proponent of that term when my wife kicked me out and told me she didn't want to be with me. And so, you know, it really made me take a step back and question my commitment to that belief. Um, and ultimately, what I saw is that all the things that I thought I was doing to make my wife happy, I was actually just appeasing her. I was doing what was easiest to make her happy and disregard my feelings and my needs. And I was building up resentment in myself and, you know, hurt people, hurt people. So I'm building up resentment because I'm doing all these things for her. And she's thinking, well, you wanted to do them. You could have said no. And I'm thinking, but I did them to make you happy and you're still not happy, but I wasn't actually making her happy. I, I mean, the, if you actually understood how to make your wife happy, there's no nothing wrong with the term happy wife, happy life. The problem is what we think will make our wife happy. And the same thing is true for, for wives trying to make their husbands happy. Now, would you say that, that part of that issue is the lack of communication? In other words, your, your belief of what you thought would make her happy without communicating to a point to find out what really would? Um partially, but most people don't know what would actually make them happy. Uh, even though I would ask what would make you happy, um, what most of us think will make us happy doesn't actually make us happy. You know, we get the promotion, we get the thing that we think we want that will make us happy. And then 
or just on to the next thing because that didn't do the trick. And the other thing that you just touched on a little bit was, or at least my perception of what you were going towards is you started to lose yourself. Is that an accurate yeah. statement? Yeah. What, what do you say to those people that are out there? Uh, or if you have stories of, of clients that you've worked with where the issue became that they just lost themselves. Very common. Um, and, you know, I had a client that I worked with uh, that, um, Greg, and he, uh, you know, used to do all these, uh, you know, he used to rock climb and all these things. Then he gets married. He starts cutting back. He's not, you know, uh, going out to the bar with his friends anymore. Then they have a kid. Now he's not going rock climbing and then he gets, you know, a, a promotion at work and now he's not doing anything for himself. And I always tell my clients, you can't pour out of an empty cup. Your spouse needs to feel loved. You know, that's a, that is really, I mean, that's, that's what marriage is built on is love and they, they need to feel loved. And in order for you to feel love in return, you have to give to get, but you can't pour out of an empty cup. And we have to take responsibility for our own happiness and not make that our, our spouse's responsibility. That's what I did was, uh, you know, I made it my wife's responsibility to make me happy rather than taking responsibility for my own happiness. I like that. Um, as you were saying that, I had another thought. Um, but if you can share, I'm just looking, I'm checking out the time. Um, Share a couple of success stories, because I think there's people out there that they're struggling. Uh, they may or may not have started talking to anyone else about it. But, um, you know, share one of your favorite success stories uh, to where there's going to be somebody out there that's going to be watching or listening. And they're going to go, yeah, I, th I think that's where I'm at. Yeah, um, I'll share two if that's okay. okay. One from a, a husband that I worked with and one from a wife. And um, so the first was a husband I uh, worked with, Mike. He, he, he only had text interactions with his wife. She had kicked him out. He moved out across town to an apartment. Mm -hmm. And she would only text about the kids, you know, for scheduling. She didn't want to talk to him. He decided to come into the program to get coaching. And he had all of these hurts that he was holding on to. He um, was feeling really bad about himself um, and had had a, a problem processing his emotions. And so whenever work would get stressful, he would get angry and distant and uh, really unenjoyable for his wife and kids to be around. And so that's the first stage of our coaching is we, we help you process your feelings because mm -hmm. your best marriage needs your best self. And that's on the other side of letting go of judging yourself of guilt, shame, uh, pride, ego, and, uh, you know, any feelings that you're having a tough time processing. But what most people are doing is they're trying to control their feelings and they're, they're trying to stuff their feelings deep down and act how they think they're supposed to act. And that always fails, always. What actually works is acknowledging the feeling, processing it and then expressing it in a useful way. Um, and so uh, eight, nine weeks into the, pro excuse me, into the program, 
his wife was asking him to move back in and things have been going really well with them ever since. Um, and that was, you know, based on that change that he made in himself to show up the way that he wanted to show up as a man that his wife and kids respected and loved and wanted to be around and, and deeply missed when he wasn't there anymore. And it sounds like he, he, he became his authentic self rather than the self he thought was, was what they wanted. Yeah. I th you know, what I say is your best self, your best self is the you that you would show up as if you didn't have all these feelings about yourself in the way, you know, it's not about fundamentally changing who you are to try to, you know, make your spouse happy. Um, but, but being the version of you who you really are when you're not beating yourself up and feeling really bad about yourself or for that matter, you know, feeling really good about yourself and thinking your, your stuff don't stink. <laughs> we have another question that has come in and this one reads, my daughter and her husband were separated for a year and they are now back together trying to work things out for the children's sake. Uh, they are both good people, but uh, as I'm sure you know, rekindling love isn't all that simple. I'm looking forward to this show and would like to know how your approach differs from the thousands of marriage counselors and relationship books out there. That's from Nancy in California. Yeah, good question. Um, I think ultimately there's there's two things. Number one, fundamentally, I believe in personal responsibility, which is very different than the way that most people are, are approaching marriage. And it's the reason that I'm able to have success with only one spouse where the other spouse wants a divorce that is uninterested in working on things. Because when you take responsibility for how you show up and how you approach things, you can get a different outcome. And I found that that is just a completely different approach. Every other marriage book I've ever read is all about a formula. If I do X and my spouse does Y, then we'll have the happy, healthy marriage. And the problem with that formula is that most of the time you find yourself, you know, checking your box and then your spouse not checking theirs. And you're just left stuck in that, in that formula. Whereas personal responsibility, you always know there's something you can do. Um, and, uh, as far as rekindling the passion, you know, the biggest thing is that the hurts have to be resolved, whatever those past issues were, they can't just be moved past. You have to actually deal with them. They have to be addressed and they have to, all the pain from them has to be taken away, not buried. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's just a, a process of deepening the emotional connection and bond, um, but what happens for most people, you know, the reason that the, the saying, I love you, but I'm not in love with you is so popular is because resentment overtakes the feeling of love. And so washing away the resentment solves the majority of the problem. I like that. Um, okay. So we've, we, we've just got just a couple of minutes so just give a quick description. And again, folks, the book is The Happy, Healthy Marriage Reset. Okay, <laughs> that's the name of the book. Uh, it's been republished. And um, so 
again, just in the, the next minute or so, just give us a couple of little nuggets from that and let us know as far as, uh, and I can put the website on ours, uh, if there's a best best place to get it, um, if it, you can get it anywhere, if you get it at Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, or whatever, or go right to the website. Yeah, the best place to get it is at the website, www.happyhealthymarriageresets.com. The paperback version is available on Amazon if you prefer paperback. Um, but, you know, one thing I will say, I've already done three versions of the book. I'm working on the fourth version. And so everybody that buys through the website gets those updated copies free. I am a first time author. Uh, it's been it's been a learning curve as far as the, the process of how to write a really good book. And so I feel like every time I can make the book 25 percent better, if I can make it at least 25 percent better, I'm going to do a new version. And uh, so that's what I've done a few times now. And I'm, I'm already working on the next one. I like that. And, and I like the fact that you're offering, you know, that as you come up with more stuff, you're going to put it out there for everybody who has already bought the book. Very nice. Yeah. And the, the bonuses, uh, we've got several great bonuses that come with the book when you buy it through the, the website. One of them is a decision making worksheet to determine if your marriage is worth saving, because I know a lot of people just get stuck right there where they're they're not even sure if it's worth trying. Um, and, you know, I will say it's always worth it to work on yourself. Uh, and if you, you know, get the book from the website, you can go through that worksheet to determine whether it's worth it to work on your marriage. That's great. Chris, thank you so much. Um, and uh, when you have the next update, uh, give, you know, let us know and, and we can come back and see what new things we can learn. Absolutely. All right. So for everybody out there, again, that's Chris Parsons. Check out the book. Uh, and uh, you can also, again, if you're driving or can't write all of that down, go to answers.network. We will have everything on our site. For everybody out there, be with us next week when we're joined by Charlotte Maya as she discusses her new book, Sushi Tuesdays. It's a memoir of love, loss, and family resilience. And please visit our archives of past interviews at answers.network. Or just subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Rumble, Spreaker, and so many more. If you like what you hear, please leave a review. It helps us reach more people, and I want you to know we greatly appreciate it. We want to continue to bring you positive contact uh, content, and we want to continue to bring you people that can make your life better. Next time you're on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, please remember, stop by our page, check out our latest posts. If you like them, like us and spread the word. For everybody out there, be good human beings and be with us again next week on Answers Network. You're listening to Answers Network with Alan Cardoza, only on LA Talk Radio.